So your friend doesn't believe in God because the universe doesn't seem to be designed right. Today, you get to play God and design your own universe for your friend. It'll be a lot of fun. Ready? You've discovered the Pamology Society podcast. Join us on our journey as we explore the maximization of awesomeness, one ray of light at a time. And now, the host of today's episode, the Pamology Society's founder, James Carvin. Design your own universe? Yep, I'm serious. That's what we're going to do today. Here you are. You don't believe in God because you don't like what you see in the universe. So my question to you is, how would you have designed it if you were God? Would your design pass everyone else's God test? Well, let's try it. First, we'll have to lay out some fair rules of this design game. When we talk about God, we're talking about the same entity. We're not talking about some less than perfect God, are we? We're talking about a God that everyone would agree could be described as maximized awesomeness. When it comes to God, what is maximized awesomeness? It's that than which there could be nothing more awesome, nothing greater, nothing better. In short, it's perfection. It doesn't matter if you envision divine perfection to be human-like in any way. If you prefer a pronoun like he, she, it, or they, the only part of that that's relevant to this question is how such a preference might fit into the picture of maximized awesomeness. Since we're talking about a concept and we're designing both our own perfect God and our own universe, I like to refer to this God we're talking about as an it, personally. Any other pronoun attributes can be added later if we found that it's useful based on the logic of perfection. Does that sound fair? Second, we'll keep this discussion philosophical rather than traditional. In other words, we won't assume that the Rig Veda or the Quran or the Bible or some church or institution is dictating what we have to expect from the God that we create. And along those lines, we want to ask about the validity of creating God in our own image. We want to make sure we don't do that. We're judging God, and that may sound irreverent, I know that, but this is a thought experiment. We're asking what maximized awesomeness is, and we're asking what perfection is. We're asking whether the universe that we create lines up with divine perfection. We want to know what to expect from that than which there could be nothing greater, right? That's what I mean by judging God. We're using the definition of perfection as that than which there could be nothing greater as a description of God that we're all going to agree to agree on. If your idea of God is something else, then this thought experiment might not work for you. But if you or your friend expect this from God and are currently judging God, supposing that God can't exist because the universe doesn't look like it was created by maximized awesomeness, then this thought experiment is for you. Fair? So those are the rules of the game. If we don't wind up with a 6,000-year-old universe that doesn't line up with the book of Genesis, we don't say God doesn't exist. This is not a tradition test. It's a God test. Are you ready to play? Let's start with some theology. We can assume that an all-powerful, all-wise, and good God would create a universe that was as good as possibility would allow if such a God was real. Would such a universe involve something called salvation? 
Does perfection have need of salvation? No, God doesn't need salvation, but would a universe God created stand in need of it? And if so, what type of salvation are we talking about? I talked about different concepts of salvation around the world in my Christmas blogcast. Each episode builds on the last, so I recommend that you start from the beginning. For the moment, let's look at just one notion of salvation, which is the perfecting of all things. It stands to reason that if maximized awesomeness is real, then it possesses all that could be good. In other words, if anything would be good, then it's true. It's the definition. But let's look more closely at this. Would it be good if you were happy? I'm sure you'd say yes. And if that's true, then you would have to exist, wouldn't you? But are you God? You might say you have to be God in order to be you, because if it is good for you to be happy, then you being happy is one of God's own attributes. But are you God? You're playing God. You're creating your own God in this thought experiment. But what are you? You being happy has to be part of God. But you know that there are many other good things that could happen too. Me being happy, for instance. Are you me? Am I you? The two separate good things, you being happy and me being happy, would both be included in the goodness of God that lacks no good thing. And in fact, every way in which either you or I could be happy is included in the goodness of God, right? It all stems from the definition which states that God is that than which there could be nothing better. Maximized awesomeness. Maximized awesomeness requires every version of you and of me that could be happy, and an uncountable number of other entities being happy too, with all variety and abundance. Now, that may not be the type of universe you or your friend would have created if you were God, but if God were maximized awesomeness, it follows that all these things would, in fact, be true, don't you think? Wouldn't you say that a universe in which every version of you, me, and everyone else experienced every possible way of being happy would both be an ideal universe and one that you would expect if God was truly real as maximized awesomeness? I do. It's just where that logic leads. This is why if my God, which is maximized awesomeness, were to design the universe, it would be polyastronomical. For maximized awesomeness to be true, every possible way for me to be happy would have to be realized. God's creation would include so many possible good versions of me of you, and of everything else conceivable, and assumably even much more than either you or I could conceive of. But where does that leave you or me in the universe that we see? Are you omniscient? Am I? Do you know what it is to be me? Have you lived a day in my shoes? And are either one of us perfection? Can there be more than one maximized awesomeness? I don't think so. That which is all that can possibly be good can't have anything more that's good that could be added to it, can it? But you've agreed that if you, as an individual, were happy, then that would be a good thing. 
Individuality would therefore seem like a good and necessary part of perfection. Perfection seems to have innumerable glories like that, good things, parts, a host of individual moments of happiness and various good things. Wouldn't that be ideal? Maximized awesomeness is ideal by definition. Therefore, since individuality is part of all that could be good, individuality is part of perfection. If maximized awesomeness is true, then this explains your reason for being. You know you're not perfection, but part of it, if maximized awesomeness is true. Of course, you know that your life is comprised of many things that you find are unhappy things. You see death, disease, poverty, homelessness, hunger, inequality, injustice, unfairness. The list seems to be endless. You're hurt, and you see a hurting world, and you yourself have hurt other people. I know I have, and I'm very sorry for that. But my feeling sorry for all of these bad things, especially my own contribution to them, can't make the universe perfect. I myself have already contributed to the imperfection of the universe. I've sinned. And my sorrow for my sins can't undo those things. The only way to fix this would be to undo time itself and to start over. If I could design my own universe... I would want to keep all the good parts of this imperfect universe and find them included in some other universe where I could relive every good part of them whenever I wanted to. All the good stuff and none of the bad. But that's not something I could do unless I was all-powerful. I'd have to be powerful enough to redo time. I'd have to be powerful enough to pick out only the good parts of possibility, making those things real, while excluding all of the bad parts. And I'd have to have the wisdom to know which was which, right? And after all, I'm not sure we all agree on what constitutes good or bad. I might even like a little suffering if it produced something good. Think of the athlete who trains and breaks his own record. That's a good thing, right? Does a person running a marathon suffer? I think they do, but a little suffering brings them happiness. It's hard to be the judge of what's good and bad in every instance. Figuring that sort of thing out, for sure, would require a level of intelligence and understanding that's much higher than mine. I might have to be God to do that. So, yeah, divine wisdom and divine power would be needed. And if the God theory were true, then all this could happen, so long as the bad parts actually didn't happen. But how could that be? We see them. We know them. We've done them. The only way the God theory could be true is if all these things that we think we've seen, known, and done were false memories. They'd have to be illusory in some way, like the Matrix, a simulated reality that wasn't really real. And that theory sounds pretty far out, doesn't it? But is it? There may be some theories in quantum physics to support a simulation theory of the universe these days. Some people say the universe is comprised of nothing but information. But would that make the universe less than real? Personally, I think reality matters, and I don't think that identifying it as mere information is enough to say that it isn't real. Maybe if time could be reversed or deleted, that would be unreal. The divine hard drive would no longer possess the information, or maybe it never had it to begin with. No, not maybe, definitely. 
If I was to create the universe, I wouldn't want any of that bad stuff to be on the divine hard drive of reality in the first place. I'd want one perfect reality, plain and simple. Wouldn't you? It would all be good, and it would require lots and lots of universes so that every good possibility could take place. Every possible good version of you, of me, and of everyone else, and so much more. And if I were God, I would find a real way to make sure no evil ever really happened. Simulation theory wouldn't be enough to solve the problem of evil. Even if I was to discover that everything bad was a simulation and everything good was analog and mechanical, I'd still be saying that bad stuff happened on some level. Do you see what I'm getting at? We also need to talk about the relationship between good and evil. We've talked about good and we've talked about evil, but we haven't talked about the relationship between them. And here's what I want to point out. While the evil is definitely not good by definition, the relationship between good and evil may be a good thing in many cases. Let me ask you something. If I hurt you and you forgive me, would your forgiveness be a good thing? My hurting you would be a bad thing, but your forgiveness would be a good thing. But could you forgive me if I hadn't hurt you? You see then that this sort of good thing is not possible without having some relationship with a bad thing. But every possible good thing exists in maximized awesomeness by definition, right? So that'll include relationships with evil. So logically speaking, we'd have to expect that if the relationship with evil could be a good thing, that the ideal universe, if we were to play God, would be one in which we performed a sort of two-step creation. Part of it, the evil, would have to be non-existent, existing only as a possibility that was never realized. The other part would have to include every instance of good possible relationship to that non-existent evil. The result would be the creation of imaginary imperfect universes or points in time and space. They would exist only as information in a sort of processing portion of the divine hard drive as something hypothetical. If these things were to be real, the very real ways of relating to them in good ways would be realized and are realized. Thus, if a tragedy occurs and our feelings of compassion rise up, and we run to the aid of the injured, a good thing happens. But the tragedy itself, to which we truly and really would respond, is actually only hypothetical. We, not being aware that it was just an illusion, would really respond in every good way. Do you see how that might work? In this version of the universe, consciousness dictates reality. It starts with a hypothetical thought about evil and then responds to it in an instance of a good action or mode of being. In previous broadcasts, I've spoken of the mathematical necessity of time and space being dictated by consciousness rather than consciousness being dictated by time and space. I wouldn't be the only one to suggest that consciousness was fundamental or intrinsic to reality. The difference between me and other philosophers on this question is that I've been pointing out that probabilistic abduction makes it literally most probable that consciousness is what dictates time and space and not the other way around. The intrinsic nature of consciousness to reality is most probable, given probability theory alone, if not logically necessary. 
I'll talk more about what is called the hard problem of consciousness in my next blogcast. Here, I'm just pointing out that for awesomeness to be truly maximized, evil as a hypothetical construct of the mind that the mind has a relationship with would be the best way I can personally think of for reality to be described. There would be universes that were wholly perfect and fully real, and there would be also universes that were partially real and partially hypothetical or illusory so that every good possibility could take place. In this sort of two-tiered set of universes, it would be normal to look around and see imperfect things, bad things, wars, famine, disease, injustice, broken families, so much more. For those who understand polyastronomically maximized awesomeology, in reality, it would be understood that these bad things were illusory. For those not privy to these insights and teachings, they would appear to be real. They would likely think God didn't exist. In reality, they would be hypothetical constructs set up in our minds for the sake of granting us the opportunity to respond to them, making real a relationship between good and evil that allowed every good possibility to be realized. Some people would be medics, healing the sick. Some would respond to tragedies, doing great works of charity. Others would pray, lending their love and sympathy. Many would comfort those suffering loss. Forgiveness and loving mercy would abound. Separated husbands and wives would put aside their differences, growing, healing. These would be good things. Whether a person was awakened to the logic of awesomeness or not, the inclination to respond in good ways to these perceived evils would be the same. This is why the pomologists suggest that we treat what may be an illusion as if it were real. If you see your hand in front of you, it's probably your hand in front of you. God can sort out what is truly illusion for us in redemption, salvation, and grace. We can see the universe needs to be fixed. We need a miracle. We need an almighty God to fix this level of messed upness. So we might give this two-step creation familiar names like redemption, salvation, or grace. Those might be good words for it, but I'm just going to call it perfection. Let's talk about perfection. Perfection is both a noun and a verb. As a verb, it perfects. Either it perfects itself or it perfects other things like you or me. When we, who are less than perfection, are perfected, we might see this as salvation or grace. We might see it as being born again from above. We might see it as being a new creation. We might see all things being made new. We might find in this miracle that only God, if God were real, could perform a new heavens and a new earth. A new heavens and a new earth and a new us is exactly what we would need. So if God were real... I would expect creation to be perfect because God is perfect. There are two distinct aspects of perfection as a verb. Perfection as perfection has nothing to perfect since the work of perfection is complete in itself. It's a triunity of perfection, perfecting perfection, always containing within itself that than which there could be nothing greater. All universes are contained and accomplished in this one act of perfection. Perfection is a reflexive verb. It perfects itself by being what it does and doing what it is, containing all time in itself, in a singular action. 
Perfection can't get help from outside of itself. It can't be made by something else. The only perfecter of perfection is perfection. This is a triunity. Perfection is triune as the begetter of perfection, the begotten perfection, and the perfecting of itself, which includes and is beyond all time and creation. There's one perfection in these three relations, a begetter, a begotten, and a begetting of perfection. Do you have some sort of other God than this? Did you have some other expectation of God than what I'm describing here? I'd like to hear it. But assuming that I'm describing what you would agree is that than which there could be nothing greater, and that this is what you would expect God to be if the God theory is true, then perfecting is triune in that way. It's one perfection in these three relationships. And then, including every good individual possibility in itself, it includes in itself you and me and every possible good thing, too. This is where redemption, salvation, and grace start to enter the picture. It would be good if that which was imperfect was made perfect, wouldn't it? And if so, and maximized awesomeness is true, then this also would be true. If God is true, then redemption, salvation, and grace have to be true as well, so that anything that would have been imperfect can be made perfect. And while we may not possess the power to perfect ourselves, an all-powerful God most certainly would. An all-powerful God could undo time, make evil a mere hypothetical, and any other funky thing necessary to make every good possibility a reality. We expect maximized awesomeness, or divine perfection, to be all-powerful. We're not going to limit that power by saying it can't undo what we think is real, or better yet, make it so that no evil ever happened. We're going to assume that if maximized awesomeness is real, that much of what we think, see, and feel is real is actually illusory. Since we can't see it or feel it, we have to simply know it. We can believe it. We can hope in it. We can encourage one another that salvation from it makes sense, even when what it looks like we're seeing is a total disaster. Even if life seems like a living hell, the sobriety of that logic stays with us so we don't despair. Some of us might even sing a song. We might look like fools to the world smiling in the face of tragedy, but we'd be placing our hope on a sure foundation of logic, if at least... Logic had shown that maximized awesomeness was real. Now, if you want to know that maximized awesomeness actually is true, then take our free Pimology 101 course. For now, we're just doing a thought experiment, trying to design a universe that matches up with a universe that would be created by divine perfection. When I previously spoke of the paradox of the Incarnation, I mentioned that perfection must contain all that could possibly be good. There aren't many who wouldn't say that salvation was something other than good. It might be argued that anything less than perfection was not good, but then how would we have variety in the universe? In fact, how would perfection contain all that could be good in itself if it didn't contain that which was less than perfection as part of itself? For instance, we talked about omniscience knowing discovery. If omniscience doesn't know discovery, then it isn't omniscient. Yet to discover 
requires acquiring knowledge that's not already possessed. There's a lot more to perfection than the word perfection itself. We tend to look at the word perfection very negatively. We associate it with perfectionism. We beat ourselves up because we're not perfect. And then one day we finally learn to accept our imperfections and love ourselves, right? Please be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself. But don't be confused. When I talk about perfection, I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm talking about God maximizing awesomeness because that's what God is and does. The perfection I'm talking about gives us a sort of divine two-step. In my vision of how I would create the universe if I were God, it works like this. Whatever is less than perfection is included as part of perfection. Perfection itself is a constant because nothing can be added to it. That includes time and space. Time can't be added to perfection. Anything in time is already included in it. We can think of two types of universes, extratemporal universes that include all time within them, and intratemporal universes that are part of perfection, but not perfection itself as a whole. And the whole of perfection contains the combination of all consciousnesses. The extratemporal universe or universes or multiverse may not be visible from an intratemporal one, while the combined consciousness of the extratemporal universe does have knowledge of the possibility of intratemporal universes. But there's something different about it. That knowledge, being extratemporal, has already saved each of the intratemporal universes by transforming them through a purgation of any evil they might have had. They're complete. Now pay close attention. When I say might have had, what I mean is could have had but didn't have. This is to say that in the divine two-step, reality coexists with the hypothetical. The reality belongs to both the extratemporal and the intratemporal worlds as part of perfection. The hypothetical exists as an imaginary universe of possibility that's never realized. It's not a part of reality except as that to which salvation is eternally applied. It's known only as the stuff that didn't ever happen due to the redemption of perfection. Reality only exists if it exists in the extratemporal multiverse, which is perfection. Any temporality that has not been saved, in other words, perfected, exists eternally only as a hypothetical possibility. It's never realized. Only the good in it is realized. I believe that if you were to create the ideal universe as God, that's how it would be done. Just as unknowing is intrinsic to omniscience, likewise, sin is intrinsic to perfect redemption. If you want the perfect attribute, you may not want the imperfections, but you still need the hypotheticals that would be imperfect to respond to relationally in every good and perfect way. Only in that way could perfection be complete by lacking no good thing. It's among many other good attributes inherently salvific. It's part of what I'll call the Pomalogist's theodicy, a point that other philosophical systems need to take into account. I'll be coming back to this in future blogcasts as we discuss the various theories of consciousness that are growing in popularity in philosophy today. If the problem of a fallen universe is seen in that light, the God theory may not be so obsolete as many suppose. God is not dead. And salvation may mean much more than many, not just philosophers, have considered before. Pomology is a philosophical system involving 
the logic of awesomeness. Let me know what you think. I've shared what I would do if I were God. What's your God like? What does your God's world look like? Send me a note. Feel free to add money so we can make and build a better truth machine, right? Did you make a list of all the good things that you could do before you die like I did at jamescarbon.com? Send me your list, too. Show me where that is. Did you publish it like I asked? We have a lot to talk about. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Pemology Society podcast. Transcripts of our podcast may be found at our website at pemology.com. We love it when you share them. Want to dig deeper? Complete our Pemology 101 course. It's free to subscribers, and you just may earn a top hat. If it would be good, it's true.